What is the spiritual significance of our Supreme Court's decision to legalize same-sex marriage? And how should we as Christians respond to the decision? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. On June 26, 2015, our nation's Supreme Court decided that it is the supreme being. It spit on God's Word and endorsed the abominable, immoral concept that the definition of marriage can be expanded to include a union between people of the same sex. The God of this universe is the one who created and defined marriage as a union between one man and one woman, and no one has the authority to change that definition. Further, God's Word makes it crystal clear that homosexuality is an abomination in God's sight, and its practice is sufficient to preclude one from the kingdom of God. And the first chapter of the book of Romans states that a society's acceptance of homosexuality is a sign that is under the judgment of God and is begging for destruction. From a secular viewpoint, it must be noted that the court's decision, like its previous decision legalizing abortion, is unconstitutional. Such matters as abortion and marriage are entrusted to the states under the Tenth Amendment to our national constitution. The only proper decision by the Supreme Court from a legal viewpoint would have been for it to deny that it had any jurisdiction and that the matter of defining marriage is a power of the states. Chief Justice Roberts emphasized this point about states' rights in his dissenting opinion. Justice Scalia, known for his brilliant, scathing dissent, summed up his feelings with these words. He said, This is a naked judicial claim to legislative, indeed super-legislative power, a claim fundamentally at odds with our system of government. He then added these words, A system of government that makes the people subordinate to a committee of nine unelected lawyers does not deserve to be called a democracy. Justice Scalia supplied a very interesting insight in the court itself, when he pointed out that it is not representative of the nation in any way and therefore has no right to legislate. He noted that all nine justices have law degrees from either Harvard or Yale. Six are from New York or New Jersey, two are from California, one from Georgia. Not a one of them is from the Southwest, nor is there a true Westerner on the court. And most significantly, did you know that none of the members of our Supreme Court are evangelicals or even members of a Protestant denomination? Six are Catholics and three are Jews. We can be assured that there will now be an all-out assault on Christians by the gay mafia as they attempt to force us to violate our biblical beliefs. They will confront all Christian businesses that uh, uh, participate in any way in marriage ceremonies. They will insist that ministers perform their marriage rites, and they will demand that churches host their weddings. And when churches and ministers refuse, there will be a demand for them to be stripped of tax exemptions and benefits like housing allowance for pastors. And you can also be assured that ultimately there will be attempts to make even anti-gay speech, including sermons, illegal as hate crimes. 
One argument that was not mentioned by any of the judges is the fact that the court's decision not only violated our Constitution, it also violated what is referred to in legal theory as natural law or higher law or God's law. Keep in mind that we sent the World War II Nazi criminals to the gallows for violating higher law. We did so by arguing that their genocide of the Jews was a violation of higher law. And now, our Supreme Court ignores that higher law in legalizing same-sex marriage just as it did in legalizing abortion in 1973. Folks, can there be any doubt that we have now become a pagan nation? Note the date, June 26, 2015. It is the date that should be put on the headstone of our nation because it is the day that America committed suicide. God is not going to bless what He has condemned. We have sealed our destruction. We are now a walking dead nation. And in my opinion, there are two primary reasons for our predicament. First is the failure of pastors to preach against the social evils of our society. Don Wildman, the founder of the American Family Association has long lamented the fact that we have 300,000 silent pulpits in America when it comes to speaking out against social evils. Our second problem is the failure of Christians to vote according to biblical principles. Blacks tend to vote for blacks, Hispanics for Hispanics, labor unionists vote in accordance with the direction of their unions, died in the wool Democrats and Republicans vote straight tickets regardless of what the individual candidates might believe, and the general public has become inclined to vote for whoever promises to give them the most stuff. The result is that we end up electing a lot of pagans, and our pagan leaders are serving as a judgment of God upon this nation. Let me ask you an important question. Has your pastor spoken out against the Supreme Court's ruling on marriage? If not, why not? Is he simply going to cave in to society's unethical demands? I praise God for the fact that my pastor is not afraid to speak out in defense of biblical values and has done so. His name is Glenn Meredith and he is the pastor of the Brookhaven Church in McKinney, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. In just a moment I'm going to share with you some of what he had to say in response to the Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage. This country with all of its flaws is still the country that people will risk everything to get to. And this country people are trying to get here both legally and illegally because they know, they believe in their heart that they could just get here, that somehow things will be different. So we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to give praise to God for and to be thankful for those who paid such an incredible price that we might be able to come together today like this and worship and celebrate and proclaim Jesus Christ. As the uh, Russian comedian Yakov Smirnov says, what a country. What a country. But our country's changing, isn't it? It's changing right before our very eyes. It's not the same country I was born into that I grew up in. I can't believe some of the things that are happening, some of the things that I'd have never believed I would have seen in my lifetime. Things that I heard, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I heard preachers saying that one of these days, if things don't change, we're going to be 
you know, doing certain things. And I would think to myself, well, that may happen, but not in my lifetime. And here we are. And I suppose the example that is most on our minds and perhaps the greatest example of this is what happened Friday a week ago when the Supreme Court of the United States legalized gay marriage. I'd have never thought I'd have seen that in my lifetime. And yet it happened. On that day, I wrote something in my journal I want to read to you. And um, June 26, 2015, I wrote, this is a sad day for our nation. The Supreme Court legalized gay marriage. There is a collective feeling that our nation changed today and became a different country. I'm deeply grieved and I'm saddened. All my life, I have felt that there was no conflict between my allegiance to Christ and my allegiance to my country. My country supported and defended my right to worship and practice my spiritual convictions. But today, for the first time in my life, I feel that my government became an enemy of my spiritual convictions. Now it seems that it's only a matter of time before the government begins to oppress those who oppose gay marriage. The official persecution will begin soon, I predict. The culture has always been at war with Christ. But for most of my early life, most of my life, the morals of this country pretty much mirrored the moral teachings of the Bible. Not that everybody lived according to the moral standards of the Bible, but society at least acknowledged that it was the right thing. We have seen the culture increasingly become more hostile to biblical morality over the last 20 or 30 years. But today, the government sided with the secular culture and officially left its Judeo-Christian foundation. This may be looked back upon as the day that our country died. However, God is still on the throne. And he is preparing the world for his son's return. And our mission of sharing the gospel remains unchanged. Maybe the church in America will stop trying to save the culture through political means and focus on changing hearts through the gospel. And if that happens, revival might just come to this land. So our nation is changing. I read the Supreme Court decision. I don't know if any of you did or not, but I read all of that. And I read the four justices and their dissenting opinions. And it was interesting to me that in contrast to some of the quotes that Mike read to us that was so inspiring of the Chief Justice, the first Chief Justice of the United States and other leaders of our country. In contrast to that, the opinion that came down from the majority in the Supreme Court, uh, when I read the majority opinion, not one reference to the Bible, not one pulling from the Bible as a source of moral authority. Now, Confucius was quoted. Other ancient philosophers were quoted. But the Bible, obviously, was not quoted because it wouldn't have given the foundation for what the dissenting opinions quoted the Bible and human history and lots of different things. 
But it is what it is. And now gay marriage is the, um, is the law of the land. But our nation is changing and our government is changing. And I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, but I suspect it's going to get worse. But you and I, at a time like this, need to remember and settle that we are first and foremost citizens of Jesus' kingdom. That we are to put our priorities on the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our priorities need to be to build his kingdom, to fight for his kingdom, to sacrifice for his kingdom. Seek ye first, seek ye first and foremost the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. And then all these other things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so the Bible says we're citizens of the kingdom and our king, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says we eagerly await a savior from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his power that enables him to bring everything under his control. So the first thing that I want to just have you focus on today, what do we do at a time when the foundations are crumbling around us? What do we do at a time when our culture and our our government and our way of life is changing right before our very eyes? We focus on these little words that says, who by his power enables him to bring everything under his control. Everything under his control. Everything is under control. His control. Everything is under control. We have a tendency to think things are out of control. We have a tendency to look at the cultural tide that is turned against us. And we tend to look at the world and we see the chaos and we see the iniquity and we see the wickedness in this world and we see all the events of this world and it looks like it's spinning out of control. And it's very easy for us to feel insecure and to feel fearful and to feel, you know, chaotic and stressful because it looks like everything is out of control. But the Bible says that we wait for our Savior who by his power is able to bring everything under control. He's got it under control. And what God is doing in this world is he is working and orchestrating the events of this world that looks so out of control to us, but he is putting the pieces in place for the soon return of his son, our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. And what looks so out of control to us and what looks so out of control to the world is under control. Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne room of the universe today. He is not sitting there wringing his hands, stressed out, turning to the Father, saying, what in the world are we going to do about that? There is no stress in heaven. There is no confusion in heaven. There is no panic in heaven. It's under control. Do you think anything is going on in your life 
or do you think anything is going on in this nation or do you think anything is going on in this world that suddenly Jesus looks at the father and said did you see that coming boy I wasn't expecting that what are we going to do under control and you and I need to understand that God has an agenda in the world and that agenda is that he's preparing the world for the soon return of his son and the Bible clearly says that the only reason Jesus hasn't already returned is because God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance The only thing holding Jesus back is the souls that are lost that he died on the cross to save. And those souls that he loves and that he has moved with compassion toward, he wants them to come into his kingdom. And one of these days, the last soul of the church age is going to be saved. And all of a sudden, the trumpet's going to sound And Jesus is going to come for his bride, the church, and we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured out of this world. And that could happen, brothers and sisters, at any moment. It could happen any moment. And one of these days it will. None of us can set dates and none of us know the day or the hour But the Bible says very, very clearly that we will know the season of his return. That we are supposed to be able to look at the events going on around us and we're supposed to make the connection. Oftentimes people make the mistake. They read in in Matthew 24, 25 where Jesus says, no man knows the day of the hour. No man knows the day of the hour. And they think from that Basically what they interpret that to mean is, oh, you don't know when he's going to come. So just don't get upset about it. Don't sweat it. Don't get excited about it. Don't focus on it. Don't pay any attention to it. You can't do anything about it. You don't know when it's going to happen. So just ignore it. That is the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, since you don't know the day of the hour it's going to come, you need to be ready at any moment. You need to live your life ready for him to come. You need to live your life with one eye peeled toward heaven, waiting, because our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is there in the kingdom of heaven. We're waiting. We eagerly await the return of our king who has everything under control. Now, you and I need to have a shot of realism here. We're losing the culture war. We're losing the culture war. We were fortunate enough to be born into a country that, whose foundations of our constitution were based upon a Judeo-Christian biblical foundation and a biblical worldview. And our constitution derived its authority basically from a biblical worldview. And now that our nation has turned its back on God... Our nation has ceased to look to the Bible as its authority and its guidance. We see the underpinnings and the foundation of the nation crumbling. And now rulings are made, laws are made, things are made that that just do not go along with what the Bible says and often don't make any sense to us. And, And we have 
voted and we have organized and we have given money and we have shouted and we have protested and we have been interviewed and we have done everything we know to do and we're losing the cultural battle. But please understand this. The Bible never says we're going to win the cultural battle. There was a a view of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called post-millennialism. And in that view, it basically believed and believes that the church is going to win the world over. And that the church is going to be triumphant and that we are going to win the culture and that we are going to change the world and that we're going to basically usher in the kingdom and we're going to get the world all ready for the return of Jesus and then he will come and we'll hand him the scepter and say, it's yours. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that this old world is going to get worse and worse. It teaches us that as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, that iniquity and sin will increase. We are told that it will be like it was in the days of Noah. We are told that evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse. We are told that because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We are told that persecution will increase. We are told that religious deception will increase. And so the Bible teaches that rather than the church somehow winning the culture war, that the church all over the world is going to be serving faithfully and we are going to watch this world continue to get worse and worse and worse. And brothers and sisters, we need to be clear on our mission. Our mission is not to win the culture war. Our mission is to win the lost. Our mission is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we can lose the culture and we can win souls for Christ. Now please, when you address a subject like this, I just want to just give a disclaimer. There is no way to be balanced The moment I say one thing, you're going to think of 15 things I didn't say and whatever. I'm not saying give up on this country. I'm not saying stop praying for revival. I'm certainly not saying don't vote. Man, you need to vote as a citizen of this country. You need to vote. You need to vote biblical convictions. You need to try to put godly people or moral people in office. You need to do. You need to give. You do whatever you can do to exercise our rights and our freedoms in this country to try to influence this country in the right way. But don't be unrealistic and think that somehow the church is going to win over the culture and that somehow we're going to turn this lost culture that we live in and make these lost people live like Christians. Why should we expect the lost world to live like Christians? Why should it surprise us that this world who will not accept Jesus Christ as the authority in their life, they will not bow their knee, they will not accept him as their Lord, why should it surprise us that they don't want the authority of his book over their lives? And so we need to understand and be realistic that we're most likely living in a time when things are going to get worse and worse and worse. 
But it's at a time like this, the Bible says you and I ought to be shining like stars in the night. The darker the night, the brighter the stars shine. This should be and ought to be and it needs to be our finest hour. This needs to be the time when you and I get our eyes off of this world we're living in and we get our eyes on heaven and we get our eyes on the kingdom and we get our eyes on what is best for the kingdom not what's best for my pocketbook, not what's best for my ease and my comfort, not what's best even for my nation when it comes in conflict. What is best for Jesus' kingdom is the command and the calling. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we wait for our Savior to come who has everything under control. And brothers and sisters, one day Jesus is going to come, and when he does, and he comes back to this world, He's going to fix this old broken world. It's going to be Jesus that heals this world, not us. It's going to be Jesus that's going to change the culture. One of these days, Jesus is going to come. He's going to set up his kingdom over this world. And when he does, it's going to be a biblical worldview all over the world. It's going to be a Bible, Word of God-centered world for a thousand years. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. He is going to fix what's broken. He's going to heal what is hurting. He is going to right the wrongs. It will be Jesus, our King and our Savior, who will come and do that for this world. It will not be us. So you and I need to decide in advance, what are we going to stand for? Our King has it all under control. He's going to come and fix this mess one of these days. We're not. Until then, we're going to be the minority in this world, the minority in this culture. We're going to be hated. We're going to be persecuted. The world is not going to love us. The world's going to hate us. And so you and I have to decide where's our allegiance. And you and I need to decide that in advance before it gets here. What a powerful sermon. That, my friends, is the kind of preaching we need in pulpits all across this nation. I would sum up the theme of Pastor Meredith's sermon in this way. Our society, as well as the whole world, appears to be going to pieces. But, in reality, all the pieces are falling into place for the return of Jesus and His victory over evil. As Adrian Rogers used to put it, the world is growing gloriously dark. Another theme of Pastor Meredith's sermon is that we need to face the future with confidence because God is on His throne, He is in control, and He has the wisdom and the power to orchestrate all the evil of mankind to the triumph of His Son. In short, we as Christians may be on the defensive today, but we are going to win in the end. Well, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be with us again next week, the Lord willing. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. 
Dr. Reagan's newest book is Living for Christ in the End Times. Originally published in the year 2000, this second edition brings the book up to date regarding the rapid decay of our society and the increasing apostasy in the church. He presents many ways to respond to and cope with both the collapse of society and spiritual deception. Some of the chapters are the collapse of society, the apostasy in the church, standing on the word of God, believing in the power of God, and much more. This very relevant book can be yours for a donation of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. And as an added bonus, we will include a DVD of the complete sermon by Pastor Glenn Meredith that you saw parts of on our program today. Again, you can get a copy of Dr. Reagan's book, Living for Christ in the End Times, and a video copy of Pastor Meredith's sermon for a donation of $20 or more, including shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 